So this morning, um, well, Sunday a week ago, two weeks ago actually, Sunday night two weeks ago, uh, during our, our children's service, we, we talked about the fiery furnace. And that's a story I think most of us are familiar with. Um, so I was thinking about that, and, and as I was studying to do the lesson with the kids, um, I just got some things that I want to share with you about that story that I've never really thought of before, um, but is so relevant to what we have been going through this past year or so, and really relevant for what's going on in the world as a whole that we don't really know about or think about that much. And that is counting the cost for making the decision to be a follower of Christ. Um, I alluded to it somewhat in my prayer this morning that there are people all over this world that, that worship Jesus. Uh, the churches all over the world. But there are places where people are not allowed to be free uh, with their worship and who they worship and where it is you know against the law to hold a bible study or or, or you know you, if you got a bible you're in trouble or you know if you if you say certain things and and do certain things together as a group of believers you're you're in trouble and we don't have that problem here now in a way we kind of had something similar to that through this pandemic because we, you know, we weren't allowed to come together in groups of more than you know, a few to worship together. And you know, just a, we got just a taste of that. But you know, our lives weren't put on the line if we, if we came. Uh, you know, if, if we had decided to come and be here anyway, you know, it wasn't going to be that we were going to lose our heads or that we were going to be killed. But that's what some people go through on a daily basis and more than anything I think maybe even more so than we at times they're looking forward to being in heaven so that they can be free with what they have and not be afraid anymore so I want to read a couple of verses before we get into the message this morning the title of the message today is through the fire and I want to read John 15 uh, well before I even read this let me just say this verse because Dale Dale used this in Sunday school um, and we talked this morning about Memorial Day in Sunday school. And, of course, this is Memorial Week Day weekend. And we are grateful for those who gave their lives, for the men and women who gave their lives so that we can have the freedom to come here this morning and do what we're doing. Right? You know, we need to, we need to take a moment every so often and think about that. And one day a year is great. One weekend a year is great. For, for many people, this is just a holiday weekend, and it's no thought given to why it's celebrated or why it's even on the calendar. But we have people who have given their lives. And I don't care who you are, what your, your uh, politics are. We enjoy what we enjoy today because people gave their lives so that, so that we could enjoy these things. And so we, we remember them, and we, we're thankful for them. And Dale even had uh, those of you who knew people who had died in service mention their names, and what a great way to honor those people. What a great holiday to honor those people. 
But it really, it, it, as great as it is and as much of a sacrifice it, it, as it is, it pales in comparison to the sacrifice that Christ made for us. And when I think of the sacrifice that they made, I think of inevitably the sacrifice that Christ made. In John 15, 13, uh, no greater love hath any man than this, that a man would lay down his life for his friends. And while I'm thankful for the freedom that I have in this, in this country uh, to live and do as I please and, and, and go about my business on, a, on you know, day to day, I'm more grateful for the spiritual freedom that I have been given in Christ because he gave everything for people that some will appreciate it and accept it and some won't. And I guess that's kind of like the, the men and women who gave their lives and service for this country because there are a lot of people today that could care less, really. But we need to, we need to take a moment and, and remember uh, that's biblical. There were times when the Lord wanted you to take a moment and think and remember. And it's important for us to do that on a, on a regular basis. So I'm grateful for my freedom. Uh, more than anything, I'm grateful for my freedom in Christ. And in understanding that and saying that, I want to read John 15, 20. Uh, because this is what you and I who are enjoying our freedom in Christ can look forward to according to Scripture. John 15, 20. Remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. Also in Luke uh, chapter 21, verses 16 through 17, and ye shall be betrayed both by parents and brethren and kinsfolk and friends, and some of you shall they cause to be put to death, and ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. So we have clearly been told here that if we make a choice, if we make a choice to follow Christ, then these are the things that we can look forward to. And still yet, in our existence and in my existence, I try to manipulate things in my life so that I can experience the least amount of persecution possible. You understand what I'm saying? You know, I, want, I don't like to be persecuted. I don't like to be uh, called out. I don't like to be made fun of. I don't like to be ostracized. But those are exactly the things that Scripture says we can look forward to. It is, it is our birthright, I guess, in a way. But even though we go through difficulties at times being Christians and being considered, you know, weird and a little off and, you know, strange and different by a, a good portion of this world, there are still people who suffer more than we will ever suffer. I want to read some things to you that I got from the Open Doors website. This is uh, information that was collected by World Watch. And this is information that is relevant to the past year that we just went through. This isn't over a period of time, like 10 years, 20 years. This isn't um, in the past. This way in the past, this is very current. <clears throat> there are over 340 million Christians uh, that live where they are persecuted and discriminated against. That's a big number, 340 million. 
4,761 Christians were killed for their faith last year. Is, is that possible? Why are we not hearing about this? Listen to this. 4,488 churches and other Christian buildings were attacked. 4,277 believers were detained without a trial. They were arrested, they were sentenced, and they were imprisoned. And don't ask me to share my testimony at work. Don't ask me to live my faith in front of my friends at school. Puts things in perspective, doesn't it? People are dying for their faith. And we're embarrassed if somebody sees us carrying our Bible. You know, it may not be to that extent, but we don't like to be inconvenienced. We don't like to be made fun of, and we don't like to be ostracized. But there's a story in the Bible that shows us what we need to do when the world comes against us and wants us to denounce our God there, there is an example of how we should respond to that. And it is in the story of the three Hebrew boys. And I have to ask myself, when given the choice, would I have responded the same way that they did? It's a neat little story. We did a, we did a neat little craft with it last, the other Sunday night. And we put the, the three Hebrew boys in the furnace. And we put the one that was like the Son of God in there too. Because you can't have the story of the fiery furnace without the fourth man in the fire. Amen? You can't have that. But I want to I ask you, are you aware of who Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah are? Do you know who that is? Do you know who that is? You know, if I had asked you that question before I told you that we were going to talk about the Hebrew boys, you may not have known who it was. But we're going to talk about those names here in just a minute. But before I do, I want you to realize that there are people in the world today that, are, that have a gun placed to their head because of their faith in Christ. There are people who are being arrested because they're having Bible studies in their homes. And we may think that that is far away, but it's not that far away. If you remember last year when some things were taking place and, and things were getting a little bit out of hand, how people were saying that churches were next. You remember that? That churches were next. Pe places of worship were going to be next. Uh, things have kind of set settled down a little bit, but who's to say things couldn't get riled back up to, to, to a fever pitch and, and things could be happening to churches in our country uh, and Christians in our country. And if that were the case, what would we do? What would our response be? And you know, we, I have to say, I guess I've become very comfortable with being a Christian when I think about what some people are going through in this world because of their faith and how they're persecuted. And we just read a scripture that says that that's something that we can expect as Christians. But have we truly considered counting the cost of, of following Christ? Have we truly considered that? Have we realized or do we realize how blessed we are to live in the country that we live in? You know, so many of us take it for granted and don't appreciate what we have in this country, but we are so blessed. But what if one day people did more to you and me as Christians? What if they did more to you and me 
than just mock us or deride us or try to silence us on television and Facebook and Twitter and all these other places. What if they did more than that? What if they began to do some of the things that we hear people around the world are suffering through because of their faith? Would we, would we bend our knee to the pressure? Or would we stand tall for what we believe in? Now, in an air-conditioned building with the lights turned to a comfortable level and really nice purple chairs to sit in with some really cool people to sit beside of, we feel pretty comfortable in here this morning, don't we? But take those things away. Take yourself against another person or a group of people against you. Are, are, am I, are you going to be able to stand for what we believe in? what we know is right what if the consequences are what if we're suffering what if we could suffer life-threatening consequences you know what what would we do well let's look at these three boys and i'm going to call them hananiah mishael and azariah because these three young men probably never thought as they were going through Jerusalem and as they were in the temple and enjoying their lives and their families and their worship that they would ever be in a situation that they found themselves in. But the Babylonians came in and they destroyed everything. They, they destroyed the, the temple. They tore up Jerusalem, the city of God's peace. They were separated from their families. They lost everything that they had. All they had basically were their names given to them. Uh, by their families. And you know as well as I do that names given back then had meaning. They meant something. Uh, what does your name mean? My name means headstrong. William means headstrong, or it could also mean helmet. Church means religious, so I'm a religious helmet. Figure that one out. Uh, you, you may or may not know what your name means, but I want to tell you what these guys' names meant. Hananiah, let me make sure I can find it here. Hananiah's name meant Jehovah was gracious. That's a cool, that's a cool name. Jehovah was gracious. And then Mishael's name meant God is our resemblance. And Azariah's name meant God is my helper. A testimony to their faith in their God. And anytime that somebody called them their, by that name, they were reminded of what it meant. And what a, what a, what a legacy, what, what a privilege, what an honor, what a blessing. But it was also the custom of that time that if you were taken captive by a group of people, what they would do is they would take your name and they would change it because they wanted to sever any ties you had with your past. They wanted you to forget your, your city. They wanted you to forget your family. They wanted you to forget what was important to you back then and sever any ties that you had with that. Because now you were here, you were part of this land, and you will adhere to these rules, and we will call you by the name that we give you. So now, instead of being reminded of what their names meant, their given names meant, they were called by other names that did not mean... The meanings of their new names were not good. Let me just put it that way. Let me tell you what they meant. Uh, and, and the names that they were changed to. Hananiah, whose name meant Jehovah was gracious, his name was changed to Shadrach. And it means under the command of the moon god Aku. 
I kid you not. That's exactly what that means. So you go, you go from Jehovah was gracious to I'm under the command of the moon god Aku. Okay. And then you've got Mishael, whose, whose name meant God is our resemblance. And his name was changed to Meshach, which means who is like Aku. And then you've got Azariah. His name meant God is my helper. He was changed to Abednego, which means a servant of the Babylonian gods. So, you know, what a slam. What a slam to, to you know, you've taken, you've taken me away from where I lived. You've taken me from my family. You've taken everything away from me. And now you're taking my name from me. It's the one thing that I had that I could still hold on to, almost. And you're taking it from me and you're changing it to this. And I have to answer to this. Well, you may be able to do all that, but there's one thing that you will never be able to take from me. And that is my faith in the one true God. Even though Jerusalem lays in ruins, even though my family is scattered hither and yon, even though I don't have anything that I had back then, I still have my faith in God, and you will never have that. And you will never cause me to serve your gods. I'm not going to do it. And that became evident because they were put in a very precarious position, life-threatening position, and they still would not they still would not bow down to the false gods. They remain true to the one true God. We know how that story goes. But before we get there, let me tell you a little bit more about the Babylonian people, the people who had taken these Hebrew boys from Jerusalem and brought them into captivity. These people were polytheistic. They worshipped pagan gods, and not just one, but many. And the way that it worked is anytime a new king would come to rule then he would bring his god of choice and for his the for the length of his reign you would worship that god or gods that he chose so the babylonian people were very used to changing gods you know i wonder who it's going to be this time will it be this one will it be that one and, and a new god was introduced a new way to worship was introduced so the people were used to that so then comes king nebuchadnezzar don't you just love these names? King Nebuchadnezzar, the new king. And he has his own ideas about what he wants and how he wants people to worship. And so one thing that he does is he erects this golden statue. I think it's 100 feet tall. And this is what they will bow down to. This is who they will worship. And anytime that, that music is played, anytime you hear the music played, then you will bow down and you will worship this false god. That was what he wanted to do. But also, he wanted to inspire people to, to pay tribute to him. And he wanted to unify the nation under one single religion of bowing down uh, to really himself at the center of everything. That's what he wanted. That's what he was longing for. So he didn't want people worshiping this God for this and this God for that. I want you to put me in the center of everything and, and we'll bow down and worship at the foot of this great big statue. And you know, to us, that just sounds crazy, doesn't it? You know, just forming up some kind of an image and let's just, when the music starts, we're going to bow down to it. I mean, that's just weird. Do you think that's weird? I've heard this story, I don't know how many times, and that is weird to me because what is natural to me now is 
worshiping God. <laughs> and, you know, it's even like when I grew up, I listened to all kinds of secular music. And I came to church and I sang my hymns on Sunday morning. You know, you know, uh, love lifted me and there's nothing but the blood. But through the week I was going, I don't know, you can't touch this or whatever was popular at the time. And that, that, was, that was what I did. But, but, you know, he changed something within me so that I'm ruined for anything now. But songs that, that lift him up. And I can listen to secular music, but it does not give to me or provide for me what a song that is lifting up my Savior does. And so that's, that's what he wanted. He said, when the music starts, I want you to bow down and I want you to worship this, this image with me at the center of everything. So uh, he was so sure that this, this was going to work out. Uh, but still yet, he had a little clause in there. If you don't do this, if you don't do what I say, if you don't bow down to this, then what I will do is I will pluck you up, I will throw you in a furnace, and I will burn you alive. If you don't do what I say. Now, I want to say, I want to interject this because I know how the story ends, that there was never a moment, I don't believe, never a millisecond in the lives of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We'll use those names because we're familiar with those. I don't believe that there was a second in their existence where they thought that they were going to bow down and worship this false god because there was only one true god. And the, the law of this god was written on their hearts. Law like this right here from Exodus chapter 20 that says that we're not supposed to make for ourselves any image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the water below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. So even under the threat of death, these men were not going to bow down to this false image. They were not going to bow down to this false god. They just weren't going to do it. Do you admire that in these men? Do you? I do so much. I admire that in these men. And it is hard for me to imagine the courage that it took for them to be able to say that in the face of death and losing their lives. The courage that it would take. It's amazing. So the music started. The people bowed down except for these three young men. They did not bow down. And I just want to imagine the scene, you know. Everybody's having a good time, but all of a sudden somebody starts banging a drum and smacking some cymbals together or whatever it is. Oh, 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 remember what we got to do? And down they go. And there's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They're not going to do it. And see, even though they were slaves, they had favor in, because they were men of integrity. So even though they were taken from their country and brought in to be slaves, they had integrity because of the way they were living their lives, people. And so they were very well liked by important people, but there were people who were jealous of them who thought, hey, if there's anything we can do to get them in trouble, we're going to do it because we don't like the favor that has been placed on their lives. So it was brought to the king's attention. There are people out here that are not bowed down like you said. And the king was furious. And Scripture tells us that he was in such a rage that it contorted his face. He was so mad and so angry. I want everybody right now to make a, an angry, distorted face of rage. Go! 
Gosh, y'all don't look mad at all. I, as a matter of fact, I wouldn't know if you were happy or mad by the look the looks on your face. So he was really, really mad, and 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 he's he he wanted these three boys brought to him. He's thinking, okay, these three boys, slaves, no less, will openly disobey me on one of the most significant days of my reign. They're going to openly disobey me. So I know, you know what I got to do. I got to make an example of these boys. And I'm going to throw them into the fire. So they were brought to the king. And this is what transpired. And this is what happened. Uh, we're getting ready to, to discuss what happened. But I just really have, all of that was said in the, the way of introduction. I really only have a couple of points that I want to make this morning that you and I really need to, to take into consideration. And really, this first one is so important. You know, where did they, you know, how, how were they able to do this? You know, when it's hard for me to even sometimes bring up religion and my faith and my belief in some situations, in some conversations, how were they able to stand tall and straight and firm in the face of death? Could it possibly be because they'd already lost everything that was important to them? And they thought, what more can you do to us? Was it because they had such a strong relationship and such a strong faith in the one true God that they thought, you know, he's got our back no matter what? Was it a combination of these things? I believe that their faith gave them the strength. I believe their faith gave them the courage to stand strong and to stand firm. And, you know, the king was, gonna, the king was even going to offer them a second chance. And how many times when you and I have been offered a second chance... Have we said, okay, I'll do that. Yeah, I'll do that. You know, we, we at, at first we're like, no, I'm not going to do that. But then we're like, well, I thought about it. I'm going to do that. And that's what the king wanted to do. He said, look here, guys. All you have to do is go back out there and bow down to the statue. That's all you have to do. When the music starts, just bow down. You know, why are you making such a big deal out of this? Nobody else has given me any trouble. Just bow down, and I'll forget that you initially didn't bow down if you'll bow down now. And he's giving them another chance. They're not going to do it, and they're not going to have it. Because they realize, King, you're not the one that's in control here. You're not in control. Our God is the one that's in control. How many times do you and I forget that? In the face of all we've suffered through in the past two years, how many times have we forgotten that God is in control? How many times in your walk with God, in your relationship with Him, have you forgotten that? When, the, when, when it got difficult and hard, did you forget that God was in control? He is always, always in control. He's the one that has the power. He's the only one that has the power. And what kind of power does God have? He has the power over life, and he has the power over death. He has power over everything, everything. And this is basically what they said. Hey, if our God that we serve is able to deliver us from this fire, let him deliver us. If we live, it's because God wanted us to live. And if we die, then it's part of God's plan that we die in your furnace. That's fine. Either way, furnace or no furnace, our fate is totally in the hands of God. 100% in his hands and not in your hands, King. Certainly not in some pile of junk that you have erected for us to bow down and worship. There is no power in that. There is no power in you except what power God has allowed you to have. Ultimately, all power 
is God's. So they told this to the king, and, and so what they're saying is that they would rather defy him than disobey God. And I want us to understand this too, that their, their faith and their strength didn't come from some misguided notion that God was definitely going to pluck them out of that furnace. He was going to do it. Yes, he was. Because there was no promise of that. As a matter of fact, they were probably more sure that they were going to die. But they were, they were willing to say, our, if our God wants to, he can. And if he does, so be it. If he doesn't, so be it. What courage it took for them to be able to do this. Um, they knew, and, and literally this, this would play out in the, eye, in, in the eyes of the king and those who were able to see, they knew who was right beside of them the whole time. And so that's what gave them the strength to be able to stand tall and stand firm in this situation. And again, I have to ask myself, would I be able to do the same thing in light of what they're going through and what they're experiencing? But for them, the choice was obvious, you know. Um, we're going to go with God. We're going to go against you. We're going to go against the world. We're going to stick with God. That was always their choice. And never a consideration to do anything else than that. And that's the way it should be for you and me too because the heart and soul of, of the Christian life has always got to be absolute obedience to God and absolute obedience to His Word. And obedience to his will and obedience to his plans for our lives for my life and for yours obedience to his purpose so they refused to negotiate with king nebuchadnezzar they weren't going to take his way out they didn't even have to discuss it amongst themselves they were ready to say no we're not going to we're not going to bow down to this false idol to this false god am i committed like that and church, are, are, you, are we committed the way that these boys were committed? And it might be so easy for us to say, sure we are. But if there are billions of Christians all over this world, if there are millions of Christians in America, then why? how have we gotten into the shape that we're in? If we have faith like these Hebrew boys... How have we, how as a, as a, as a planet, have we gotten into the shape that we're in? If we were willing to stand like these boys stood, would we be in the shape that we're in today? And looking ahead to the future, we may just have an opportunity, who knows, to take a stand like these boys took a stand. But the king was mad. And so he said, I want you to fire that thing up seven times hotter than you normally do. Fire that thing up. I want it really, really hot in there. I don't just want it hot. I want it super duper hot in there. So amp it up seven times hotter than it normally is. It was so hot that the soldiers that threw the boys into the furnace burned up. Just like that. They were gone. Burned them right up. And when the king looked into the furnace to try to admire his handiwork to see, okay, I'll show those boys. I'll show those boys. Because, you know, really, I have to think that one of the reasons why he even gave the boys a second chance was because he did not want, he wanted people to see 
the influence that he had on even these boys that said they worshiped the one true God. If he could get them to bow down, then, oh, he was a mighty, mighty king, wasn't he? He didn't want them to be seen as martyrs. No, he wanted people to publicly see the power that he had over these boys. And his anger was fueled again to the point that he wanted it seven times hotter for these boys because of the embarrassment that he had put this king through. He was, not, he was not happy, but he was glad when he went to the furnace because he was going to be able to see that's what these boys get for disobeying me. They're going to be burned up. They're going to be ashes by now. But that's not what he saw. These boys that, once again, had been thrown into the furnace, and I didn't let you know this, but you probably remember, they were bound with ropes when they were thrown in. I don't know what good that was going to do. Maybe he thought, if I can tie their hands together, then they can't fan themselves so they'll be a little bit cooler in there. No, you gotta, he just wanted them bound and tied up and thrown in so that they could just immediately be burned up. But that's not what he saw when he looked in there. What did he see when he looked into the furnace? A fourth one in the fire. A fourth one in the fire. He said, weren't there three men that we that we tied up and threw into the fire and he was answered yes certainly that's what we did and he goes i want you to come over here and take a look because i see four men walking around in the fire and the one that i see in there looks like the son of god looks like the son of god and that's when you and i get excited isn't it i mean there's a little excitement when we hear there's a fourth one in the fire but when we hear him say even him say the fourth one looks like the Son of God. That, that's when that, that thrill of hope pops up inside of us, isn't it? And you know, I want us, to, I want us to, to bring this to a personal level here for just a minute. Um, I don't know if you remember or not, but there's some scripture in Isaiah that's really relevant to what we're talking about here today. And I want to read it to you uh, from Isaiah chapter 43. Um, he told Isaiah that, that when he passed through the waters, uh, that he, meaning God, would be with him. He said that when he passed through the rivers, he would not sweep the waters over him and drown him because he was God. And he said that he would be with him when the prophet walked through fire and that he would not be burned up because God would be with him. So this, this mirrors that situation there. When you're in the fire, I will be with you, and you will not be burned up. And that's exactly what was happening in the furnace that day. They were in the furnace, and things were burning up, but they weren't burning up. And that is because there was a fourth one in the fire with them. So he said in that scripture from Isaiah, and this is relevant for you and me, he said, even when you pass through the waters... God's going to hold you up. And even when you walk through rivers of trouble in your life, He's not going to allow the waters to sweep over you and overtake you and drown you because He will have your hand. He will have hold of your hand. And then for our purposes today, when you're in the midst of the fires of hell in your life, when you're in the midst of the fire, you're going to know God's presence is with you and you're going to be okay. So what is your water? What is your river? What is your fire? Well, for, for some, it may be a sickness. It may be a surgery. It may be an operation. It, uh, and something that causes you to have to be in the hospital or go to the doctor or get treatments. 
For some, some, some may be suffering through marital problems, situations uh, with your husband or your wife. Your situation, your difficult situation, may be that your family has been torn apart or something unexpected. You lose your job. You lose your house. But you and I have to understand that through all of that, as a child of God, God is always present with us. And I don't know if this has been true for you, but it has been for me on many, many occasions that when I've gone through a difficulty that I would consider floodwaters or a fast-moving river or even a fire, when I have gone through those situations, I have been more aware of God's presence than any other time in my life. And that scripture that comes from Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, he is all that I need, has become more relevant for me in those moments. But the fires get hot and they're difficult and the water rises and it gets hard to breathe and the river is fast moving and I can't go against it. And it gets really, really hard, just like it did for these boys in that fire. It was hot, it had to be hot. But for these boys, I want you to understand, and this is what Scripture tells us, so I believe every bit of it, that not even the hairs on their head were singed. And even though the ropes that were binding them were burned up, they didn't smell like smoke. And they were right there in the middle of the fire. How is that possible? How is that possible? And is it possible for you and for me in our lives? Can it be that even though we go through difficulties, we can come through stronger? We can come through different. We can come through changed. We can come through made of something different than we were made of before we went through it. And I say absolutely. I want to bring a point out that once again just, just hit me in the face like a brick. And that is this. I want you to think about the things that burned up in that fire. First of all, the soldiers burned up. It was so hot that they burned right up. And the ropes that were binding Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they burn up. So everything that belonged to this mighty king, everything of King Nebuchadnezzar's that went into that fire burned up, didn't it? But what didn't burn up? That which belonged to God. Right? Do you understand how powerful that is? So, yeah, this world. Oh, it's tough. And we're, going, we're all going through stuff. But you're not going to burn up. And you're not going to drown. And you're not going to be overtaken. Because your God is with you. Say, say, this, with, say this after me. My God is with me. Through the fire... My God is with me. In the floodwaters, my God is with me. Everything that belonged, and you can stop now, but everything that belonged to this earthly king is gone. And everything that belonged to the heavenly king survived. And didn't even smell like smoke. Didn't even smell like what they'd been through. So I'm, I'm running out of time, so I'm going to try to try to wrap this up. And let me, let me finish by saying this, 
that sometimes you and I are going to go through the fire. We're going to. And sometimes God wants us to go through the fire. And he knows that it's going to be good for us to go through the fire. Because what's going to happen is, is he's going to burn away the things that don't need to be there. He's going to burn away the things that bind us and hold us back. And keep us from having the, the courage to stand when we need to stand. And I, I don't know what's going to happen in my lifetime or yours in terms of God's church and the, the persecution that they will continue, we will continue to have to go through. Will we go through even more difficult than what we've read about in the papers or on the Internet? But we're, we go through fires daily, really. We go through situations that are really, really hard and really, really tough and really, really hot. But sometimes it's because we are bound by things that we have bowed down to. There are things in my life and yours that we are bowing down to that we were never meant to bow down to. What are you talking about, William? Well, we're, we're in bondage to things. We're in bondage to how we look and how the world perceives us. And we want to be accepted and we want to be liked. And that's never so evident than it has been as social media has come to a fever pitch. And we've got to get this and look this way and do this and have that. And... So everything in our lives is consumed by this. For some of us, we have addictions. We, people in church have addictions. We have addictions to food. We have addictions to alcohol. We have addictions to drugs. We have addictions to relationships. And so everything we have is consumed by these things. And it's like a bondage. It's like a rope around us. And, and we can't get loose. We can't tear free from it. And some of us are all about money and all about position and all about jobs and all about the house and all about the career and all about the education. And all these things are good things that God has given us, but they cannot be the idols and the false gods that we bow down to. Because when we do bow down to them, then we will be bound by them. And sometimes the fires that you and I go through, we're allowed to go through them so he can burn away these, these bonds, these chains these ropes so that we can be free and that's why he came and that's why he died so that we can be free there is liberty and freedom in a relationship with jesus christ that's where we are and that's how we are truly free so examine yourselves, and I want you to bow your heads for just a moment here as we get ready to finish up here today. And I want you to examine your life, and I want you to ask yourself, and I'm asking myself as well, when, if I'm put to the test in a small way or a really big way, am I going to stand for what is right, for what is true? Am I going to stand for the, for the God who laid down His life for me? Am I going to do that? Can I do that? Will I do that? Is it important for me to do that? Church, it is important for you to do that. And, more, and, and for several reasons. Think about the impact that the stand that these boys took made on that king and those people. Because what we didn't get to in the story is that once... He pulled them out of the furnace. He made another decree that said, from now on we will worship only the one true God. 
And if you bow down, if you don't bow down to this God, and if you don't adhere to worship to this God, then you will be torn limb from limb, and your houses will be destroyed. What these boys stood for made such an impact on that king and those people. And when you and I take a stand for what is right and what is true, and we take a stand in faith for our Lord, it has an impact on the lives around us. And that's important, but I want you to focus on yourself right now. What is it in your life that has you bound up and has you tied up and has you in chains? It could be any number of things. Whatever it is, it probably causes you shame. Embarrassment, if anybody knew. I'm ashamed that this has a hold on me. That I keep going back to this. That this is so important to me. And you have to understand, and I have to understand, that our Savior died so that we could be free from that. That very thing, or those very things. And so you have to allow the God who has purchased your freedom to remind you that you are free and that you are clean. Melissa sang those words, I am clean. I am free. Make the choice to walk according to the Spirit. Believe who He says you are. You are His child. You are chosen. You are not forsaken. And you are free from the power of sin. Free from it. So take a stand today in the power of the Holy Spirit and say, I will no longer give in to this. I have given in to these false things for so long and I'm ready to be free of these things. And as we celebrate a weekend where we are so thankful for the freedom that people gave their lives for us to enjoy, let us stand and enjoy the freedom that we have in Christ to live the life that He wants us to live. Not giving in to these things. Not going back to these things. But moving forward and pressing towards the mark and looking to the day. Of his coming. You are free indeed. Live it. Appropriate it in your life. Make that decision. And for some here today. It may be that you've never made a decision. To accept what Christ has offered you. Forgiveness. Eternal life. No more condemnation. Make the choice to accept that today and follow Him. But if you've already made that choice, remember that choice today. You made a choice to follow Him. Not false gods. Not the things that this earth has to offer. You made a choice to follow Him. And let's do it in faith with courage. And let's stand strong. And let's stand firm. And let's do it in love. We can't forget that. He is love. He is all about love. And all of this is possible because Jesus Christ laid down his life on that cross.